It's the 50th episode of the Magnus Podcast, and we are just getting started. Big announcements coming up. College is a bubble. We're here to pop it. The Albertus Magnus Institute is reinventing the academy, offering education that's as free as it is free. Welcome to the Magnus Podcast. With your help, we are liberating the liberal arts. Now, your host, John Johnson. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Magnus Podcast, episode 50. It's been quite a ride these last couple of years getting this thing off the ground. And without your help, none of it could have been possible. So I want to thank you personally on behalf of our mighty little team of four, I mean, three paid staff, a couple volunteers and some help. Uh, But really, this comes from you because you've shown why your interest in these programs that we're offering, that there's a real thirst for authentically liberal education. And so this episode is dedicated to you. We have some big announcements coming up, at least two of them, in this sit-down over beers that I had with my good friend and Albertus Magnus Institute CFO, Brian Long. We are going to put this one on YouTube as well and try to launch a little YouTube effort over there. So check us out. It'll be up there soon. MagnusInstitute.org to enroll in the fellowship. Over 700 strong now. Become a fellow today. Start taking live and interactive courses in the liberal arts with some of the biggest names in liberal arts academia. And they really are amazing. They're free, they're freeing, and they always will be with your help. So magnusinstitute.org for that. Here's three beers with me and Brian Long. And welcome back to the 50th episode of the Magnus Podcast. Hip, hip, hooray. I'm joined by Albertus Magnus Institute Incorporated CFO and general doer of good things, Brian Anthony Long. How you doing, Brian? I'm all right, John. What's How's going Denver? on? How's Denver treating you? Uh, it's... It's like 38 degrees right now. So I just I just taped an episode with Jared Stout of Denver. I was out there last week, met with you guys. He's good people. What a good guy. It's going to be great. So He's- we're going to be serving the Archdiocese of Denver. Uh, let's just give a sneak preview of that right now. The 50th episode should be full of grand reveals. So let's give a sort of penultimate reveal here. What are we That's doing right. with Denver? That's right. For the For the last few months, we've been working with the schools, the Archdiocese of Denver, to assist them in um, rolling out a new history curriculum, which no longer gone are the days of social studies in the Catholic schools of the Archdiocese of Denver, but we we might call socialist studies, this, this materialistic presentation of history as just one thing after another. Um, yeah, I want to rip off that. I, I studied. I and when I I went to Catholic school K through eight, and I had social studies. I'm like, where are the history books? Even <laughs> as a kid, even as a kid, I knew something was off. I wanted right. to study history, right? That's um, right. But we we had this counterfeit version, and uh, so I'm so glad we're going to be um, 
basically enrolling the teachers of the Archdiocese of Denver. Yeah, into- they're going to get they're going to get some high level history formation from some of our senior fellows um, this summer and then continuing over the next year. Sounds good. By the way, thanks for doing this with your man cold. Yes, you that's sound right. terrible. You should be right. drinking a hot toddy instead of a beer. But <laughs> my man cold, yeah, for sure, man. It's it's like I one. Of, I ran out of whiskey though. A man. I'm told that a man cold is one step above child labor. In <laughs> uh, probably by a guy who had a man pro- cold. Right? Probably it's no fun. <laughs> I'm so sorry about that. So we'll keep it short here, but we've got some very good announcements for our listening audience, all eight of them. And uh, where do you want to start, Brian? This is such a big deal. We've been working at this for about two years, two and a half years. Yes. Oh, my goodness. So uh, how do I tee this up? There is this very old, very wise priest named Father Owen Carroll. That's right. And uh, he was my teacher. He was your teacher. And, And we're not famous, but there are many famous people to whom he was a teacher. And he very effectively, I think, prayed his whole life to remain completely hidden in every way. So even teaching at the undergraduate level, teaching at the graduate level, he sort of avoided masterfully any promotion or chair or department heads or anything like that, and very much flew under the radar, living a contemplative life as a priest. And by the way, he's the last priest probably in the world, ordained under the medieval statute of patrimony. I think that's correct, right? Yeah. Uh, he's sort of a free-range priest. I don't know how to describe what patrimony is. Can you can you say sure. something well, about Well, that? patrimony came about um, as, as a development in the church's code of canon law. It's since defunct. It was eliminated in the most recent code for the Western church, but it has its origins in the middle ages. And you would have men uh, who belong to perhaps noble families and they would have clerics. And, And that was back in the day where the minor orders were considered. If you were in the minor orders, you were part of the clerical state. Right. And, um, so there would be many, many clerics who, who weren't priests or bishops or anything like that who would just have a minor scale. I mean, I think even some, you know, famous like scientists, like I think Kepler was a minor cleric, Copernicus might've been a minor cleric. And so lots of people had these designations, but this particular distinction in canon, in canon law was really designed to allow men to be ordained perhaps for the service of their household or their family. If you had a big noble Catholic family, like if you had Count Johnson somewhere and then he had a big, what do you mean? If you had, if you had a Count Johnson someplace or a, or, a, or a Marquis Johnson. Or oh, I like that better. Like yeah. Marquis Johnson. Mm-hmm. And maybe one of the Johnson clan, you might, it might be expedient to have some learned, cleric in the family but the bishop wouldn't really be responsible for this guy right like he's you got your own his own way of taking care of himself and so pat patrimony 
was a, a way of ordaining a man. Um, and it's a, and it's a very long story and it, it's kind of a, a, a private story. I don't know if we'll share it here, but basically father Owen has a very, you know, it's a very unusual path to the priesthood, but it was part of this hidden vocation. And so it was very um, providential the, the manner in which he ended up being ordained. So he was basically ordained with the understanding by the bishop ordaining him that he, that though he's a, a priest of uh, the Diocese of Ottawa, Canada, he would offer no service um, in a parish uh, as we would, we would think of. And that's a unique situation that was owing to his vocation as a teacher. And he was a professor, a university professor of philosophy and theology before he became a priest and his ordination was was uh, really a spiritual call you know um to to be able to as any man who's ordained make the sacraments available in the church and as i remember the story uh he was discerning to be a carthusian monk yeah which is about as hardcore as you can get yeah, there's a very interesting story there, um, but ultimately his health didn't allow it, but the Carthusians made a discernment with him. And so before they sent him on his way, they told him that he should find a, that he did have a vocation to the priesthood. Um, although because of the contemplative life he was already living, that this priesthood should be integrated into that life, which was his life as a professor of metaphysics and ultimately and theology um, and that that was his principal ministry but that this addition to that vocation which was the priesthood um, being becoming a, a father of souls um, should also be added to it which is kind of a it's a it's kind of a crazy thing because I think any, any man hearing that would think to himself, and I think Father Owen thought this, what bishop is going to go for that? You know, a bishop right. ordains you, he wants you in his service, right? Because all bishops need priests, right? There's not enough priests anywhere in the world at any time. It certainly was true um, at the time that Father Owen was, was ordained, which would have been in the 70s, mid-70s. Late in life for him. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's right. And so... Uh, you know, Father Father Owen, um, he kind of just bore that in his heart, um, and it was actually by chance that he happened to be studying as he as he did. He would go to to Europe during the summers after school ended in you know in May or so in the in the United States. Universities run later; they usually run through till uh, like September in France and in Italy. So he'd often go to Rome or go to Paris or Toulouse. Very often he'd go to the French Dominicans in the South of France in Toulouse um, and study. And he would just take a, a seminar or a course um, and he would study there and then, and then visit, visit friends and visit Paris. And, and uh, look by friends, the breadth of his exposure <laughs> could not be understated, right? He was a house guest. It could not be overstated. He was a house he, guest. Of he was a, when he was a young doctor, you know, a young, he had just finished his doctorate. I mean, he would spend the summers 
um, like, like he once spent a summer with von Balthasar and de Lubach. Right. Like just like, he, he was a frequent house guest of Etienne Jill's son. Is that right? Um, yeah, almost by cold call. I mean, he once he got the address of Gilson's apartment in Paris and just knocked on the door, and that's how he yeah. met him the first time. So, um, and, Ili- and then uh, Iliade, Iliade, yeah, yeah, Father Owen. Before he came to St. Mary's College, he taught at DePaul in Chicago, and so he knew Paul Tillich. He knew uh, Mercia Eliade. Um, he he was friends with Louis Bouillet, who was one of the greatest theologians of the Second Vatican Council. So, um, re- you know, really extraordinary. But you know, people know those names. Um, but but as you as you said, Father Owen really kind of had this hidden way, and I think you know as uh, his spiritual sons i think they benefited by that Um, because i don't i think he wouldn't have been free to be a spiritual father to um all of all of the 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 now um really stellar theologians and and priests um bishops and bishops professors um, who know Father Owen and and um, and and could call him a, a spiritual father. So so that really that spiritual dimension, that vocation that was really born of on his part, it was actually a desire to become a Carthusian monk, and his health didn't allow it. But God had something else in in store for that. Um, and there's a life that kind of life of hidden contemplation although very close to uh, the, the greats, you know? Um, and I know you, I would, I'm kind of biased. I mean, I would say this and I know you would say this. I mean, we, we believe father Owen Carroll is uh, probably the greatest theologian we know. And that's pretty, you know, it was definitely the greatest theologian. I know yes. I do. I do hes- hesitate to say he's the greatest living theologian ever only because that sounds a little bit, cultish yeah you know <laughs> that's right yeah so we, um, we would say that. i don't want to say that um <laughs> yeah but that's right. you know it's it's pr- like just objectively speaking it's probably either him or benedict the 16th like living <laughs> you know that's right <laughs> uh but you know i'm not crazy for saying that um and and don't take my word for it in fact um let me just read so the spoiler alert here is that we're going to announce the publication of Father Owen Carroll's first text, uh, which he he through through um, through his exec through through the executor of his literary estate, he's entrusted to the Albertus Magnus Institute, and this is from uh, somebody you might heard of, uh, name of Matthew Levering. You've heard of Matthew Levering, I take it, Brian. That's right. Can you say anything about Matthew Levering? Smart guy, written a few books. <laughs> that's an, chair of theology at Mundelein that's an understatement. Seminary. I mean, Seminary. Matthew Levering's uh, one of the most brilliant Catholic theologians uh, alive today. Um, certainly in the English-speaking world, but I would say, say period. I would um, too. So, 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 so here, here, here's what Matthew Levering has to say about Father Owen Carroll. 
Rare indeed is it for a man to be both a poet and theologian, and rarer still for a man to be a mystic of the divine being whose mysticism takes flight from the salvific sufferings of the incarnate Lord. This book will introduce you to a poet, theologian, and mystic whose heart beats for the deepest and truest things. To dip into this book is to begin to experience the holy and wondrous mystery of the crucified Lord. I mean, how's that for an endorsement? <laughs> should you buy this book or should you not buy this book? <laughs> That's right. And and we could read more of these from, from many, uh, many other great prolific authors whose work you know and love. But uh, the point is, this is a gift, I think, not only to the church, but to humanity. And I don't, I don't want to overstate it. I want to do things like that. But it's, very, uh, it's a beautiful and timely thing that this book is being released through our custody uh, to, to the world. And so the book is, and I'll, you know, I don't know if we're going to make use of the video here, but the book is The Sufferings and Glory of Christ, a meditation on Holy Week to Ascension. And it's a relatively short book. It's beautiful. It's almost a book you've got to chew on every sentence. That's right. And, and you can definitely do that. So, and this is the first of several that we intend to publish of Father Owen Carroll and his work. Uh, have you... You've you've read this book, I take it, Brian, right? Yes. You've uh, <laughs> you've spent a lot of time trying. Oh my goodness, publishing <laughs> a book is not easy, guys. I you, yeah, next time you next time you pick a book up off the shelf, you'll be like, oh, "Wow, man, that was that a lot was, of work." One of this, yeah, yeah, that's like three hundred hours of one person's labor, right there. <laughs> oh, at least, yeah, right. Yeah, like, that's just, just one person. Yeah, right. I mean, that's it's just like you, Brian. Whole, like whole, whole team of people. A whole team of people. And, uh, you know, we did it the right way. We learned a lot along the way as, as a, an infant publisher in the world. That's right. Uh, we really did. And we could have done it. You know, we could have done it another way. Like we, we could have just said, okay, we'll call up, you know, insert big Catholic publisher and say, exactly. And say, yeah, you know, you want you guys just take care of this for us. Yeah. White label it. it. But this is really, the, the goal here, like, we're not trying to put any big public, you know, we're not trying to put anybody out of business. We're not, you know, no. this, this there's is really great cool. publishers doing great things. That's absolutely. I mean, Clooney, for one, I'll just give yeah. them a shout out right now. They're, they're doing yeah. great. Yeah. God awesome. bless. Clo- God bless Clooney media. That's right. Um, But we didn't want to really a work of, this is really a work of a small team of people who right. know and, and love father Owen and who each of us, like our lives have been touched by him. And this was something that we, we all wanted to do. And, the, yes. and this whole team of, of people are, are copy editors. They're people, people who are smarter and much more um, skilled at these things at publishing and, and proof texting and editing. Copy editors, book copy designers. Editors, and you and I are, I mean, it, 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 we, this book still wouldn't be done if it was just, oh, no. how much we learn from all this. We That's did right. it. Um, we wanted to do it through an Italian printer because our idea and okay. Yes. Full admission. Part of this is, is a marketing gimmick. Uh, it's a beautiful one, but it's a marketing gimmick that 
that the hardbacks of this book, the calfskin hardbacks, are supported by a 100-year warranty. And not that you care, because you'll be dead in 100 years, right? But your, your grandchildren won't. Uh, but more importantly, the ideas in this book, in any book we publish that are presented, we intend to not just be a drop in the bucket of ideas, but but contributing and entering into the lasting conversation of great Western ideas. So we intend books that will be durable enough to be uh, to still be being read uh, even even 100 years from now while their ideas are still informing the culture. So that was the idea uh, with this. And we, I think we finally did it pretty well after a lot of trial and error and shipping cost adjustments and Italian printers. Yeah. And I mean, we didn't, we didn't plan. Italians. We didn't plan on the, the impact of a plague on global supply chains. Can't so. say we did Brian. <laughs> no. So, so, uh, and it really is a beautiful, I mean, I'm, you can smell the leather. If you smelled your leather brand. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. Give it a whiff. I mean, it's really nice. Really awesome. Gilded edges. Uh, ribbons if you like that sort of thing you can mark your place without a bookmark and uh and that's just the hardback right the paperback yeah. edition is i think equally beautiful it's got one of these nice that's soft touch yeah, soft touch pretty. i'm touching it right now beautiful design that's uh who's on the cover fra angelico is that's that fra angelico fra yeah. angelico's crucified jesus yes. on the cover yeah, and and uh, you know, and I want to say maybe a little something about that. Let me grab one of those soft covers, you know, because I think you know, Fra Fra Angelico says something. I think about the kind of culture we want to create, you know, um, and the and the and the the Christian culture whose intellectual life our our institute exists to support, and who. Um, you know, all the, all the great, the great men who, you know, we've, we've been taught by men like Father Owen Carroll, Stephen Courtright, uh, the president of AMI, you know, they, they formed us in a certain intellectual culture. Fra Angelico painted this image. This is part of a, a fresco that's on the wall in a cell of a, <laughs> It's meant to be in the cell of a novice, wow, Dominican, um, in Florence, right? It's wow. so it's like it's like it's like it's somebody you know, like he spent his time, you know, doing this thing that would be like hidden, you know, it wouldn't be for it is now because you know those places they've like turned into like museums, right? So you can go through and walk through and see all of Fra Angelico's yes. frescoes, but that's not what he intended. That wasn't the living culture that he that he had. And you had, you know, when we started with this manuscript, Father Owen didn't write these meditations for publication. He no. didn't write them. These are handwritten, by the way. That's right. So a big piece of this puzzle is transcribing right. and sort of standardizing all of the abbreviations. And the, but he wrote these just these are just handwritten notes that we've put together now there's a veritable library of these things that's right and 
and they're his they're his contemplation on the person and mystery of our lord that's right and again not not because there was ever any intention to um to publish them i mean i think that had he had he not i mean basically had had he, he not been asked <laughs> right to yeah. allow us to publish these things right he probably would have just as well seen them all burned in that old and we did Arthurian ask him tradition. like That's it right. was it was an effort in itself <laughs> just yeah just to, to receive just to his me. permission to publish these things yeah and there were i won't name names but there were a number of people students of his who encouraged were encouraging um him That's to true. publish these things and so uh he's finally doing it and and he's how old now 90 91 yeah yeah 91 years old now i met with him uh after the first edition whether was released and and he was so thrilled with the design he was, he was like a schoolboy just happy <laughs> as a clam <laughs> and very impressed he read the back you know he reads the back cover and it introduces him and says who he is. And he says to me, he says, Brian, he says, you've blown my cover. <laughs> yeah, and we did. He's, he's told me, I, I called him and talked to him and he told me that um, he said, I don't recognize myself right in the, in the, in the kind of thing that you read from, from levering. And that's just, um, you know, his, his, you know, we, we recognize it, but. We do. Yeah. We do. And, uh, but he's happy. He's happy with it. And right. so I met, right. I met him at his retirement home and brought him a box of books uh, for him to give to his friends <laughs> and also had him sign the first 20 copies that go out to our fellows. And so just to clarify for the listening audience, the hardback, the calfskin limited edition the hundred year warranty. The hundred year warranty. If you want that, you have to be a fellow. We're not going to sell it to anybody who's not a fellow of the Alberta Spangus Institute. In this case, we have made the softbacks available for purchase on Amazon.com, yeah. a little website you might have heard of. And you can buy that. Anybody can buy that. Fellows can buy the calfskin limited edition warranty hardback. The first 20 that go out, uh, as soon as we release this, they're going to be signed. And those that'll be a very short supply. Supplies are limited. Call now. Uh, and fellows can also buy hardbacks for any of their friends. That's yeah. been asked. Can you know, can we buy them for people who aren't a fellow? Of course, no problem. So that's magnusinstitute.org slash press, if you're curious. That's right. And by the time that we release this podcast, they'll books be will be for sale. Yeah. Perfect meditation for Holy Week and yeah. Lent really is. I, I've been reading it for Lent so far. It's, it's very beautiful. Again, even reading it with fresh eyes or not so fresh eyes, I should say. Uh, let's talk about, excuse me, let's talk about those two men who wrote the forward and introduction for this. Sure. Uh, because in Father Carroll's words, you know, he read the uh, Courtright wrote the introduction. Is that right? The, yeah, the editor's introduction. The editor's introduction. Father Carroll himself read this 
And he I'm says, sorry, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I may have, I may have misspoke. The 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 foreword was written by Stephen Courtright. That's right. So so Father Carroll read the foreword, and he says to me, "This is magisterial." And by the way, to our audience, if you want to know, Father, there's there's no pictures of him on the internet or videos of him on the internet. No. But if you've ever seen the third Indiana Jones movie, where there is a very you know, kindly old knight guarding the Holy Grail for for Indiana Jones. You know that you have chosen poorly. That's sort of the best example I can give you of you know to get an idea of who Father Carroll is. Um, it and even that definitely doesn't do him justice. That character, but anyway, he says to me of Courtright's introduction, "This is magisterial." And it really is. It's a beautiful introduction. Yeah. Yeah. What can you say about that, Brian Long? <laughs> um, well, I mean, it's, 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 pre- it's pretty short, but um, I mean, it just, you, you have the, the, the learned character of, of uh, Professor Courtright, our teacher, um, and the president of the Institute. And by the way, Courtright, as you read this, he was taught in part by Father Carroll himself. He was a student. He was a student. At he was a Christ student God. of Father of Father Carroll. He was received into the church by Father. That's Earl. right. Courtright is a court is a convert. Uh, so you were sort of following the pipeline back. Um, Courtright himself is a convert, and you can listen to Courtright's. If you want to know what his brain is all about, listen to episode one of the Magnus podcast. Yes. Maybe listen to it two or three times because it's like drinking from a fire hose. Maybe our most most listened to episode. It is. Yes. Yeah. Striking. Uh, But anyway, he was he was a student of Father Carroll and received in the church by him. So just to give you an idea of the fruits of Father Carroll's labor, Stephen Courtright is one of them. Many others who we probably shouldn't name. Uh, but 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 that's one of them. So tell us about the introduction. Um, well, <laughs> well, the, the foreword here from forward, um, yeah, um, from Professor Courtright, it really lays out the the link between um, this book and the spiritual vision at the heart of the Albertus Magnus Institute, um, and we don't. We we don't um, we we don't kind of talk about that too too much. I mean, what we do at the institute we offer we offer awesome courses, um, but the courses are part of a of a deeper spiritual mission that kind of all of us have. You know, the institute is really a labor of love, and we see that in the church and in the world. There is a need to reforge uh, a contemplative culture, an intelligent culture, um, and so there's there's other places that one could go, you know, to to find kind of spiritual enrichment. Um, if you're if you're a Catholic or a Christian, you know, there's there's lots of places to go, or if but, you're just a human wanting more human things out of life. That's, which seem to be lacking lately. That's right. That's right. And there's, and there's a, 
a uh, a vision that you know the the spiritual and profound spiritual insight is not divorced from intelligence and you see that and i think that's what father owen's getting at when he talks about the foreword of of stephen courtright to this book being magisterial courtright is um an an expert in the the modern magisterial uh, uh, of the church, the modern magisterium of the church, especially that of John Paul II and Benedict XVI. And he shows how uh, through the, the, the life of the church that is penetrated in Father Owen's meditations and, and um, Father Owen is penetrating scripture He's penetrating uh, Dante, St. Therese, Dorothy Mozart, Sanders, Mozart Bach, Pius XII, St. Augustine, St. Thomas. I mean, he's, he's running through the whole Christian tradition. Um, and, and everything seems to be available to him, you know. Um, and, he's, and, and he's a master. And Courtright's able to, to draw out some some of those themes and then especially to relate them to the to the spiritual mission that lie at the heart of the papacy of john paul ii which is to rediscover the uh an awe and a wonder at the human person that's born of a deep encounter with the person and mystery of jesus christ and Father Owen is doing that uh, in these meditations, is that we're encountering Christ in his mystery and being taken into it. Uh, and it's a deeply ecclesial um, exercise. These, well, these said. well said. And tell us about the foreword written by Dr. Anthony Lillis. What a treasure to the church. Well, is. Dr. Dr. Anthony Lillis is the foremost expert on the Theresian Carmelite uh, spiritual tradition uh, in the English-speaking world. So um, he's a uh, he's he's really a son of, uh, of of the Carmelite masters. In many ways, it could be argued that um, Saint Elizabeth of the Trinity. Um, hmm. would would not have been canonized um, what you know were it not for his research for his work and so we wanted um so so dr lillis ha- has in his work as a seminary uh, as a dean of seminaries uh, um, you know he spent over 20 years forming men for the priesthood but he also has this incredible expertise in the uh, the spiritual tradition of the church. We really wanted something from him. Why? Uh, well, you know, we, again, this is father Owen is, is not, he's not a household name. You know, we, we have many of the people endorsing this book would be known um, to folks who are, um, you know, active readers of, of, of uh, current works of Catholic theology. They'll know a lot of the names of the theologians who endorsed the book, but we wanted 
an authority uh, who's who's current and recognized in in the life of the church as as a reliable uh, authority um, to to give a give a comment and and that this was a person who knew and respected Father Owen and had an opportunity to meet Father Owen. Uh, in his work forming men for the seminary. He describes uh, his meeting of Father Owen Carroll. <laughs> right, right at the beginning of that In the beginning of the introduction. Uh, yeah, it was. It was over Chinese food. It's the way m- many of us met Father Owen. <laughs> the little Shin Shin. <laughs> That's right. That's right. In Oakland. That's right. What a great place. The, the hot and sour soup at that place. <laughs> Not to mention the life-changing theological formation that is available to a young man there. That's right. That's yes. right. And so, so Dr. Anthony Lillis met Father Owen Carroll there with with some a, seminarians, a cohort of seminarians Denver, on the, the walk for life. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And West. among those, at one time, was there was somebody of note there, Garonsky, Father, Father right? Raymond Garonsky. Yes, Garonsky. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, and I. You know, when I read the forward and the introduction, there's something, there's a shining complementarity about these two, the way, the well, way they're authored. Well, it says something, you know, um, I mean, in, in a lot of ways, this book is kind of the spiritual testament of the Albertus Magnus Institute, because, you know, Anthony Lillis comes to meet Father Owen Carroll through Father Raymond Goronsky. Father Gronsky was a student of Father Owen. That's right. And became a spiritual son and went on to have many of his own spiritual sons. Yep. Father Gronsky did. And, um, <laughs> you know, this father, father Owen says something to me. You know, he says, friendships begun here are eternal in Christ. And that um, Stephen Courtright, Anthony Lillis, Father Raymond Gronsky, they they all lead and and have led lives uh, committed to Christ and His Church and to the intellectual life, and that those commitments, those loves. Um, brought them into uh, friendship with Father Owen Carroll. And that uh, it's, it's that good is just, you know, the good is diffusive of itself. And so the yes. very great good of that very great good of friendship always seems to magnify itself. In fact, I came to meet Father Owen through you. Yep. Right. Uh, at, at, at St. Mary's College, even though we were at the college in totally separate times, you know. Yep. And so that this this circle of of spiritual uh, fatherhood, spiritual sonship, it is um, it's able to grow a whole culture of of men and women who are committed to the intellectual life, and, and it has, and committed to the church, and it has. Yep. And it has, and it still is. And um, so, yeah, so in a lot of ways, this, this book, um, it, it means a, a lot to us 
on, on so many different levels, even, you know, that might not be obvious um, because, well, as you said, you can read the forward and read the introduction and you have, you know, two men who are at the intersection uh, of the life of the church and are interchanging the church and the culture um, through, I mean, these, these men have built whole institutions dedicated to forming people, you know, just the, just the three men we named, right? That's right. You know? Not um, to mention the other students, spiritual sons. That's right. That's right. You said something earlier that I want to highlight, but you said these men were dedicated to Christ and his church and to the intellectual life. And a big uh, current in the thread of Father Owen Carroll's thought and Stephen Corrett's thought and all of and all of his spiritual intellectual sons is that those are two those are not two different things. That's right. Those are not two different things. And that, right. I think that's something that in the most pietistic circles of the Catholic public life, that uh, dive, that distinction is a little too heavy. And uh, yes. it's it's not the case. Uh, the, the 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 intellect is the highest faculty, and and that through which we receive Christ Himself, ultimately. And so the the intellectual life is not to be something separate and compartmentalized apart from our life in Christ. Our life in Christ is an intellectual one. He is the truth. That's right. And the Albertus Magnus Institute came about because we saw really a need to, co- to combat that artificial and false cleavage. That's right. Between holiness and sanctity on the one hand and the intellectual life. And that we thought the, the way to tackle it is really to develop natural intelligence to to focus in on ins- on the liberal arts which are capable of inspiring wonder that i was just going to say that to cultivate right. wonder that's right is to open oneself to the whole of reality and and do that in a in a beautiful way i think john paul ii in his letter to the artist says to beauty is the spark which awakens us to the divine yeah and so if we can if we can present and cultivate a conversation around this great literary tradition, uh, the great books, the Western tradition, the Western history, yeah, and do that in a beautiful way with with some noteworthy, very brilliant uh, professors, to say the least. I mean, the faculty is is second to none. Then that will really awaken minds and propel a change in culture for the better that's right and so far we're seeing it i mean are you as amazed as i am like i was looking at the numbers a few days ago something like 700 fellows are signed up for courses with us that's right in a year and a half of existence yeah who does that yeah i mean talk about a need talk about a thirst yeah and why and hundreds of hours of hundreds. coursework. Um, and, and that's because the thing that we're offering um, 
it's it's really hard to find. I mean, there's a handful of institutions that, and you you really are very blessed, very lucky to be able to go to one of those places. You you can get that right, but you know the brilliant thing. You know the great thing. I'm sitting kind of in my library right now. You know the great thing about a library is in books you can have access to the greatest minds. Um, and very rarely does a person in their life, you know, save for books, would they be able to meet one of the greatest minds? But there's a new revolution um, for the culture in the in the technology that we're using at AMI. Because we can take, while it's not possible, it's not, it's not possible to get Stephen Courtright and uh, Deal Hudson and Anthony Esselin and Joseph Pierce um, and David Arias all in one institution. It wouldn't be possible, right? You could never create a brick and mortar institution that could have all those. Men, Correct. Right? Correct. It just, it just wouldn't, wouldn't but be. We can, we can take the best of every brick and mortar institution. Now, granted. There's a trade-off, right? Because the education that happened, you know, that happens for us sitting around the fountain, for instance, as, <laughs> right. as undergraduates, right? Uh, right? We weren't even there at the same time, but you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, that that cannot be replaced. So I'm still of the opinion, you could change my mind, that brick and mortar is still the way to go. But that works in youth that works when in a limited set of set of circumstances. Right. And it works with expense. Yeah. Okay? And it's, it's increasingly increasing becoming. expense, which right. might teeter on the value proposition. Right. That's right. But what we've done is taken the best minds from the best institutions and brought them to our fellows for free. That's right. Crazy. We're nuts. <laughs> it's a, it's a pretty it's a pretty extraordinary thing. Bold move, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. It's a it's a pretty crazy thing. But when someone picks up, uh, you know, this book either either on Amazon for the beautiful paperback, or they, if they join the fellowship, if they're members of the fellowship, there's the limited edition, um, leather leather bound book. Okay, sufferings and glory of Christ, magnusinstitute.org slash press. We're releasing it as soon as we release this podcast. You can yeah. buy it. Anybody can buy it, share it. Yeah. And, and when they and when they do, when you know, when when people read it, um, in a lot of ways, it's they'll, they'll see where we come from, you know. And they will. And, so and some, I'm proud of that, Brian. You did right. good work. You did good work. I'm I'm very proud of this text. It's going to be on my grandkids' bookshelf and hopefully their grandkids' bookshelf. Right. If we still have bookshelves in a few that's, in a few generations. That's that's right. That's right. It is. It's a beautiful thing. And and there's much more to come. I'm looking as I turn to my left here. I have a safe with Father Owen Carroll's manuscripts that will be. I shouldn't say that. I we're gonna edit that out. I don't want somebody coming in. <laughs> Stealing my safe of Father Owen Carroll's manuscripts. That's right. Um, but there's more on the way. We'll say that. And we sort of started with a very small text, and there's bigger texts on the way. And not just Father Owen Carroll. We're we're in conversations to publish 
works uh, wherever we can find them. And there's very few of them in the world today that will contribute to a lasting conversation in the Western tradition, because there are great, there are good books being published daily, right? Um, There's many good publishers. There's many, there's at least one publisher we mentioned earlier, publishing great books from years of old. Right. Um, But besides that, there's a lot of sort of, you know, daily devotional, everyday good reading. It's good, right? Um, But there are, I think, great authors in our midst, and they would be worth highlighting. That's right. And so we're going to try our best to do that. And if you want to join the fellowship and join on join these classes live, magnusinstitute.org. I mean, imagine studying Dante's Divine Comedy with Anthony Esselin, its preeminent translator, right? Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much that's as good of an elevator pitch as I can give. I mean, what why wouldn't you do that? <laughs> um, at, what's going on in the fellowship right now, Brian? Just real quick before we wrap up here. Well, you, you, you've been sitting on Arius's metaphysics course, part two. That's right. Good one, right? That's, right. that's, that's a second. good one. Yes. And these, the metaphysics courses, they're the capstone of our, of our core curriculum at, a, at AMI that the, the liberal arts lead in to philosophy and then ultimately to the contemplation of, of being. And so we're getting in some, some really interesting things there. We have courses going right now, really popular, some courses in literature course on Kristen Lavin's daughter with Deal Hudson. Yeah. Dr. Helen Free, much beloved. Wow. In the Magnus Fellowship. No, let me just stop you there. (laughs) Much beloved is an understatement. I, if you, episode 49, the the one I just taped, you know, because I listen to these recordings uh, before I put them on podcasts, the biography of Tolkien that she delivers in the first part of her course on Tolkien will blow your mind i mean and, and like now I, I get it why the students just love helen free <laughs> yeah no she's great uh yeah, i'm she, just so amazed yeah she's a, she's a, she's a treasure um and and uh so we're really happy to have her uh as a senior fellow at ami but all of all of our courses are good we have a a course on the philosophy of the human person uh oh matthew waltz okay. Yeah, looking at John Paul II's philosophical anthropology. And so uh, the students, our fellows, love love that course. Um, So we have really, really great things. And we're going to be rolling out some more courses in the summer. So uh, 2022 is going to be a really awesome year for the Albertus Magnus Institute. Uh, There are tremendous things coming. The book is just the first, really. The book is the first. We're forming the teachers in the Archdiocese of Denver. That's right. Thanks be to God. Yeah. Uh, we are accelerating our course schedule and offerings. And so we're going to be offering even more courses in the fall of 22 and the summer of 22. And I have no idea how we're doing all of this. <laughs> it's really amazing, Brian. I mean, our biggest benefactor was ten thousand dollars yeah that's it we have no big money we don't need it anyway if you're big money listening to this we don't need your money we're just going to keep rolling with or without you call me 
All right. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, really. Uh, but I mean, the fellows like we that was a big gamble. Are we going to offer this for free? And they're not they're not going to value what they get for free. But they really are. I mean, they're like, hey, sure. Twenty five bucks a month. No problem. Let's yeah. do it. It's yeah. beautiful. So anyway, uh, if you're listening to this, join the fellowship. You're going to love it and buy the book. And trust me, we're not making any money on the book <laughs> at all. No, no comment. <laughs> no, no, really. Publishing this thing was, oh man, just buy it, read it, share it with your friends. It's great. Sufferings and Glory of Christ available now on Amazon and wherever fine books are sold. Actually, just Amazon and the Magnus website. Alberta's correct. Ma- yeah, magnusinstitute.org. And become a fellow there as well. Brian, any final parting thoughts? This was a great three beers. Thank <laughs> That's you. Right. That's right, man. Thank you for um, an interlude to Lint. <laughs> yeah. Buy the, buy the book and look out for what's coming in 2022. Um, you know, mm. it looks like the plague is ending. So we're probably going to be getting together here. Oh, plague's coming. over. That's so passe. It's World War Three time <laughs> now, man. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, get with the times, Brian. That's We're right. in World War Three now. Yeah, I mean, okay. we, we, yeah, yeah, we'll have a meeting. So, uh, yeah, so if plague and World War Three don't happen, this is a sort of sneak, sneak peek. But we're looking at a big pilgrimage somewhere. Yeah, we'll begin some academic pilgrimage. Yep. to to a great place somewhere, or at the very least, even if even if it it is the end, I mean, we'll have front row seats. And if it is the wherever end, we are, let's go. beautiful that's right uh i am only concerned by i just read this quote of leonardo da vinci i just retweeted it on uh at mag at ami fellowship on twitter but uh he says if you know this leonardo da vinci on his deathbed said i only regret that i did not do as much with this life as i could have Mm. or something like that scares the heck out of me it's a very short life yeah and so, uh, well, with your help, we're doing as much as we can. Brian, you did great on this book. Thank you. Thank you for making it happen for everybody. Thanks to our great team. Yeah, it was a tremendous, tireless, tremendous, tremendous effort, yeah. tireless effort, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours right. to get this. We have a staff of three people, a staff of three, 700 students. Hundreds of hours of course time, 26 faculty, and now one book in the books. So good job, everybody. And thank you for supporting this. Our listeners, uh, without your help, we could do none of this. So magnusinstitute.org for more. And that's a Three Bears episode in the books. Brian Long, we got to do this more often. We do. We do. Thank you, my friend. Enjoy Denver. Feel better. The Magnus Podcast is a production of the Albertus Magnus Institute, Incorporated. To learn more, way more, by becoming a fellow today, visit magnusinstitute.org. Copyright 2021. Albertus Magnus Institute, Incorporated. All rights reserved.